So you can, you can uh, if you want to, you can stand for God's word, the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 8, I'm going to read 13, and then we're going to jump down to 18 through 25. Acts 8, 13, and then 18 through 25. This is the portion that I skipped that we're going to go over. Beginning in 13. Even Simon himself believed... And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now jump down to 18, because this is where it picks him back up. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit." But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. And then after this, it completely leaves off of Simon and it says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We're going to key in on this one man, Simon, the sorcerer, Simon the magician. And the reason why is because we have to look at his life. We have to see what's going on with him, what's he doing, what's he saying, uh, what's, what's taking place. And so beginning there in verse 13, we know that, the, that uh, Philip had been preaching in Samaria and having great success. People were believing and were being baptized and had just had great success in Samaria. Uh, we, we've talked about what Samaria was and the people there in Samaria and how amazing this was that the gospel had entered into this region. We know that that was the third region mentioned in the scripture that Jesus said that it would go to. And so it's here. It's here. But we know that in every place, in every place that the gospel goes, and in every church, every society, or every country that it goes, you will have people that are true, but you will also have those that are not. You have your counterfeits, but you also have your, those that are true. And so today, as we look at this, we really need to pay attention to this Simon. Listen to what it says in 13. Even Simon himself believed. Sounds good so far, doesn't it? He believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. He was baptized. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Believed. He was baptized. And then, not only that, but he takes up with Philip, this deacon evangelist. He takes up with Philip and begins to walk with him, staying close to him, seeing Philip do signs and wonders and 
miracles. This man was amazed. This man was amazed on the outward appearance. So far, so good. We see that he is a believer. We see that he is baptized. We see that he is even walking with the saints. Today we'll see Simon, the sorcerer, the magician, and his profession of faith. Was it real or was it a fraud? Faith or fraud? True or false? Sheep or goat? Wheat or tear? Fruit bearing or thorn bearing? There are two types of people in this world. Those that bear fruit and those that bear thorns. That's very sobering to hear, but it's true. Everybody in here fits one of those two categories. Everyone. Everybody fits those categories. Truly Christian or truly not. One of the two. And at times, even in the church, it's hard to tell. Philip couldn't tell. Philip couldn't tell. He went on the outward appearance. Philip went on the outward uh, appearance and what was going on outwardly. And he saw Simon as one that was true. He could have had doubts. Scripture doesn't say that. Doesn't say that he did. Doesn't say that he didn't. But I know this. Two people can't walk together unless they be agreed. And so here Philip is is keeping company with this Simon the sorcerer who supposedly renounced his ways, been baptized, believed and been baptized, and is now with Philip. But as we see, I believe we will notice that there are posers everywhere. I would not doubt it if there are posers here in the church this morning. Or in every church on our planet. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Some worse than others, of course. Posing as a child of God, but inwardly they are empty. Beginning in verse 13, we see Simon, the sorcerer, he follows suit. He follows suit with everybody else. Getting caught up with the frenzy, more than likely, with everybody else. He believes and he is baptized. It's very likely at that time, these new converts converts that were being baptized... That he might have even felt some type of feeling or some type of emotion. But we have to remember something that the heart is desperately wicked and evil. Feelings and emotions will lead you astray every time. It's the truth of God's word that has stood the test of time. Not feeling and emotion. And so we have to be very careful about this. 
He could have been feeling emotions or, or something to that effect. But what, whatever it was that Simon the sorcerer felt or whatever it was that was going on in him, he felt necessary to stay close to Philip and to the church. Probably staying undercover, blending in like a chameleon, wearing his camouflage so that at the proper time, we know he was a sorcerer, we know that he was called great, we know this man loved to be exalted, which is pride. And so more than likely at the proper time, he was staying low-key until it was time for him to do his work. For his advantage. I believe he was staying close to Philip to see how he could use this to his advantage over the people. This man was a master manipulator. Anybody that is a magician, and I'm not saying magic is wrong as far as sleight of hand, uh, I'm not getting into that. I'm talking about demonic activity. This man controlled crowds. From the least to the greatest, people listened to him and people followed him and they called him great. They had exalted this man to a high position. He was a master of manipulation, a master of illusion. Probably dabbling and getting some help from demonic activity as well. I know that to be real. It's all around us in our, in our world today. He was a man of camouflage, a chameleon. He blended in so well that Philip, this evangelist that was for the early church, this evangelist that was a deacon, remember, search out from among you people that are full of the Holy Spirit. That was the qualifications. Search them out. Get them to be deacons. Get them to come serve. This man was a good man. Philip was a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit. He was a good man. Serving the church. He was a good man. Preaching the gospel. But yet right next to him, Simon the sorcerer was there. And he did not see who he was. Let's keep going. He blended in with the rest of them. And first, let me just say this. Just because you have believed in Jesus, and just because you've been baptized, that doesn't mean you're a saved person. It doesn't. There are a lot of people that that come up and make a great profession before the church and in the water, but it does not make them saved. It just doesn't. Over time, you will see the cracks begin to show, the light will begin to come out, or the darkness will begin to come out. Over time, you will be able to tell. Over time, their fruits will testify to what's truly within inside of them. Are they dry? Are they dead? Are they rotten? Are they empty? Or are they bearing fruit? Over time, it will show. Not everyone that is posing and sitting among us is a swindler like Simon. You might just be posing to 
save face. I don't, I don't know the posers. If Philip didn't know that Simon was, I most certainly cannot. However, lost is lost. Whether you're like Simon the sorcerer or whether you're just biding your time. Not truly surrendering to the Lord. Lost is lost. And this is why eternal matters are so important. Joel Olstein would make you want to feel good about yourself. I want you to examine yourself. You say, Pastor, I got time. I'm young. The Lord ain't coming back anytime soon. And He may not. I do think He's coming back soon. But one thing I do know is I think that you'll meet Him before He comes back. Because it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. We will all see Him sooner than what we think. If you're waiting for Him to come back, you may meet Him first. He may call you home first. You say, I got 40 years. Man, I'm 40. And the last 40 years went by awful fast. I got 10 years. And after that, you may meet the Lord. I got 20 years. After that, you might meet the Lord. Or maybe one week. Eternity is closer than what you think. And if we don't begin to think on this, and if we don't begin to tell our loved ones about this and share with others, then eternity is closer than what we think. Guys, we've got to get serious about it. Got to get serious. Eternity is close. It's, it's, it is so incredibly close. How much time do you have? How much time? You live to be 90, live to be 100. How much time do you have? It's going by fast. Second thing is I want you to see this fake believer. To the outward eye, he looked right externally. We see it in churches today. The shirt's buttoned up right, everything perfect, looking good on the outside. Stand up dude, stand up guy, stand up gal in the community. Come to church and bide their time their whole life. To the eye, it looks right. Casey's grandmother, Connie's mother, was saved in her 70s. Correct? 80. She was saved in her 80s. Her husband, Papu is what they called it. Your father? Papu was a deacon of the church. No. Your, your, your father. Mamu's husband, Papu, was a deacon of the church. 
served the church faithfully, was a good man, a saved man, loved the Lord. Mamu, on the other hand, was saved at 80. She had put a good front on her whole life. Had the right outfits on. Looked good. And at 80 years of age, she surrendered her heart to the Lord. And was saved. Here, Simon looked good. He had everything going for him. On the outside. He looked like he was supposed to look. He spoke his profession. He practiced and showed his profession in baptism. And he walked side by side with the deacon evangelist, Philip. While Philip worked miracles. Simon the sorcerer was amazed at the work of Philip. However, his true colors are about to come out and surface to the top. Listen to what it says in verse 18. Jump down to 18 and 19 with me, and we're going to follow this out. Listen to what it says. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. There you go. It comes out, doesn't it? It doesn't take too long for this, the true colors of this man to come out. He offered them money, saying, give me this power also. He wanted power. He had money. He wanted power. So that anyone he laid hands on could receive this Holy Spirit. And there it is. Simon, before long, bears his true colors. He bears his heart before the apostles. He had Philip snowballed, but here before the apostles, not the case. He lays it all out for them to see. Matthew in chapter 12, 34, we just read it just a moment ago. We don't have to go back there. Jesus tells the Pharisees, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, what? Speaks. This man, this chameleon, this magician, this man that was flying incognito right next to Philip, here lets it out. He's got money. And he ain't afraid to use it. He wants power and he wants more of it. He wants to be able to lay hands on people and something happened to them. Why? Because he wanted to be exalted. And where does that come from? A heart full of pride. It happened in the garden. It happened with Cain. It happened... I mean... (laughs) You just, you just go through the people in the Old Testament and you will see pride is there, money is there, and it's always, it's always destroying people. In 18 and 19, he's using his mouth, which comes from his heart, and in turn, he's trying to buy something. See how that works? It comes from inside, out here, 
And then he's trying to buy something, buying the Holy Spirit. His heart overflowed, didn't it? And it wasn't a good theme. People's hearts will overflow. You spend enough time with them, you spend enough time around them, you get around them and you will see that their heart will overflow at some point. And when it does, you will see what comes out, either bitter water or sweet water. You will see thorns or you will see fruit. One of the two. You spend enough time and it's going to happen. And here it happens with Simon the sorcerer. Simon's heart was lusting after money while being full of pride at the same time. He wanted power so he could be great and he could be wealthy. He wanted to be exalted. Doesn't sound like a true believer anymore, does it? Well, he believed and he was baptized. Surely to goodness he's going to heaven. But you don't see humility in this man. You don't see brokenness in this man. You don't see a man crying out for mercy. You don't see a man turning to God. Listen to what it says. Right here in this text, we don't see this humility. He's not broken over these sins. Why? Because he's not a true believer. Simon, the sorcerer, the fraud, the fake, the sham. A sham conversion. And this has to be really the worst kind of fraud. Using a cloak of religion to fulfill, to fulfill his own sin-filled wicked desires. This has to be the worst, the worst of wickedness, if, if there is such a thing. He used religion and he used this cloak of religion to camouflage himself in so that he could gain power and notoriety among the people. He had these wicked desires and they began to surface. Simon was wicked. Simon was being found out. Verse 20, but Peter said to him... You see how the Lord uses Peter, and I love this, because Simon Peter was, uh, he was a, a, probably a very loud, quick-tempered person. And so when you put this with the gospel, and when you put this with someone that's controlled by the Holy Spirit, man, he's like the Apostle Paul. He's just, he's violently working for the Lord, and Peter turns to him and says, May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. What's Peter saying here? Peter here shuts him down. He says you can't buy a free gift. You get it? He says, Simon, you can't buy a free gift. It is not for sale. Salvation is not for sale. It's already been paid for. It is a free gift from God. Put your money away. It's no good. How dare you try to offer silver for salvation? How dare you? 
The gift of salvation is a free gift to us, to all those who repent and believe in Christ's atoning and finished work at the cross. He goes on to say this, Philip, or Peter says this to Simon in verse 21. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. He says this doesn't even pertain to you. For your heart is not right before God. Man, those are harsh, harsh words. But wouldn't you rather hear them in this life? As to stand before the Lord and Him to say, Your heart is not right. I never knew you. I would think you would rather hear Him in this life and repent and believe the gospel now. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. 22. Repent, therefore. This is what Peter tells him. Just as I tell you today. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours. Own up to your own wickedness. Repent. Turn from it. And pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. So what does Peter tell him? He tells him, he says, repent, turn, pray. Go to the Lord that you may be forgiven. And we see his response. He still thinks somebody else can do it for him. But we have to remember that nobody else can do it for you. No one else can do the work. No one else can can help you. Listen to what he says. Peter goes on to say, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. The apostle Peter lays out for Simon the fake who and what and where he is. He lays it out to him. And who is he? He is a sinner. What is he? He's a sinner needing a savior. Where is he? He is in bondage to sin. Are you catching the picture? He is in sin. These are Simon's true colors. Simon Peter pulls all that back and he says, listen. He says, you're a wicked man. I don't care if you've been dunked 72 times. I don't care what you say with your mouth. Right here. Your heart is wicked and you need to repent. Simon. Verse 24. And Simon, he answers him. Simon doesn't go to the Lord here. Some theologians have said that Simon wept when he heard this. Some say that he kind of haphazardly smarted back off to Peter. To each one of those, I have no idea because it doesn't say. But I know this. He does not go to the Lord himself. Listen to what he says. And Simon answered, he says, pray for me to the Lord. That nothing of what you have said may come upon me. 
Peter had already told him what he needed to do. Peter already told him that he needed to repent. And here Simon responds back and says, I want you to pray for me. We don't see this man repent, do we? We don't see him humble himself before a mighty God, do we? We don't see him falling before the apostles and saying, my goodness, I need some help. I believe this man was lost. Simon the Great. Simon the Magician. Simon the Sorcerer. Simon the Lost. Listen to me, I'm just about done. I want you to pay attention to this. I believe he was a fraud. I believe his faith was a false faith. And I believe that there are people today that have a false faith. That they're flying under the radar and nobody knows it around them. But I believe if Peter was standing before you, he might say, repent. You're in the gall of bitterness. Your iniquity has been found out and you need a Savior. Repent. Here in chapter 8, we have a sharp contrast. One reason I believe that he's lost is in chapter 8, we have a very, very sharp, very sharp contrast between one that is lost and one that is saved. We have two people that are brought up in this chapter. Two people that are ministered to by the same man. Two people with two different responses. We have Simon the sorcerer and the Ethiopian eunuch, of which we'll talk about next time. I believe Simon was lost. And there's nothing more that the enemy would want from you today than to sit there on your thumbs and let another Sunday pass you by. For another Sunday to pass you by. And another one. And another one. Twenty years have gone by and another Sunday has passed you by. Remember, Simon believed and was baptized, but he was not right in his heart. Just because you stand in a garage don't make you a car. Just because you come to church and fill the pew don't make you a Christian. The good news is that Jesus did come to save those very people. He came to give them eyes that they can see with and ears that they can hear with. Brain, a brain that they can think logically with. A heart to fill with their sin. I pray today that if you're one of those that has been sitting, and I, I, I mean, I, I really, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like Philip here. I, I have no idea. And I know we just have a small crowd, and I know, I know that a lot of people profess Christ. They profess Him. They've, they've shown it to us in baptism. And, but I pray 
that you would examine your life. We have, a, for the most part, an older generation in our church. We know that we can't live forever. And whether you're waiting on the Lord to return and you believe that you have plenty of time, the truth is, is you, are, you will meet Him one way or the other. Whether He calls you home or whether He takes your life or whether He returns, it's going to be soon for every one of us in here. Last night I was watching uh, a World War II documentary and I love World War II. I love it. And as I, I'm through the fifth episode, there's six, there's six episodes and I'm, I'm through the fifth one and as I begin to look at those men and women that were fighting, I thought to myself, all the footage I'm seeing, all of these people, all of them are either dead or about to die. Every single one of them. And it dawned on my brain right then that life is truly short. These people fought and fought and fought and yet they still died. Ten out of ten dentists have weighed in and doctors as well that all die. They do. They just do. And so I pray today that you that you would examine your heart. And I know I've told you that, but the end is truly coming. Whether you take your last breath or whether the Lord splits the eastern skies, the end is coming. Repent now. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for this, this lesson that you've given to us about Simon, this, this false man that, Lord, is just... <clears throat> 